Well, good morning again. Good to see you here on our last study of the Book of Romans for this week. And I've enjoyed going through the book with all of you this week. We've, I guess we've, we're ending up just covering the first eight chapters, some of the high points of the first eight chapters. But before we get started, why don't we bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, thank you for this Friday morning that we can come together to have worship, to open up your word, and to learn about your plan for our lives. We thank you for the message in the book of Romans, and bless us as we study this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so, what we have studied this week, the first day, just for way of review, we study the concept of the power of the gospel and what it means for the just to live by faith. And what we saw is that the power of the gospel is the witness of the righteous lives of those who are just that live by faith. And that is a witness that will be shared with the world. And so when Matthew 24, 14 says, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness, and then the end shall come. It's the gospel going to the world is more than just a theory being presented to the world. It's a demonstration of the gospel. And that is what will bring the end. And I didn't mention this when we had that presentation, but that helps us to understand Revelation 18.1 when it says, I saw another angel come down from the earth and the earth was lightened with its glory. There's a mighty angel. That's the, that's the light of the gospel being shown throughout the world. And that's the power of the gospel. Uh, the second day we talked about the faith of Abraham because the power of the gospel is unto salvation to all who believe. And on Tuesday we saw what it means to believe. Abraham is a living demonstration for what it means to believe. Romans 4 verse 3 says, Abraham believed the Lord and it was counted to him for righteousness. But by the end of Romans 4 we see that Abraham was fully persuaded that what God promised he was able also to perform and therefore it was imputed unto him for righteousness. So what does it mean to believe? To be counted as righteous. It means to be fully persuaded that what God says he will do in our lives, he will do. And what Abraham what caused Abraham to believe is when God showed him the stars, it reminded Abraham that God is creator. Amen. When he speaks, things happen. Amen. And so when God says, I will raise you up to walk in newness of life, by faith we believe that. By faith we are fully persuaded that as God has promised to raise us up to walk a new life of faith, he will perform that in us. The third day we talked about justification by faith from Romans 5 and 6. We see that Adam had an effect on all men, but the effect that Christ has on us is greater. So we give too much credit to Adam for falling into sin because Christ has provided a way to escape the power of sin in our lives. 
And then we saw in Romans 6, which I believe Romans 6 is probably the most powerful chapter in the book of Romans, we saw the concept of what it means to be dead to sin, how that we are planted together in the likeness of his death. Christ died on the cross, therefore we are crucified with him. And just as Christ was raised from the dead, we're raised up to walk in newness of life. And that's justification by faith. Because Romans 6 verse 7 says, For he that is dead is freed from sin. And the marginal reading for freed from sin is justified. So in order to be justified, we must be dead to sin. Yesterday we talked about Romans 7. And we saw the concept that you're either slaves to sin or slaves to righteousness. If you're a slave to sin, sin is your master. You do the things you don't want to do and you don't do the things you want to do. If you're a servant to God or a slave to God, God takes care of you. He saves you. He redeems you and gives you a new life. And we saw that the experience of Romans 7 is actually the experience of the Laodicean church. And God is calling his Laodicean people today to wake up, to realize that it's not okay to just live a life that keeps falling into sin and thinking that's okay. Um, it's true that God will forgive us when we fall short of his glory, but that's not his perfect plan for us. So that's what we've looked at this week. And so today we are going to wrap up in Romans chapter 8. And Romans chapter 8 is probably nearly equally as powerful as Romans 6 or as powerful. So notice what Romans chapter 8 starting in verse 1 says. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Now as I mentioned in passing earlier this week the first three chapters show that the wrath of God or the condemnation of God is poured out upon all men, Jews and Gentiles, who have broken his law. And it doesn't matter if you know God's law or if you don't, you're under condemnation because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So Paul starts with the bad news, but by the time we get to Romans 6, 7, and 8, when we get to Romans 8, verse 1, Paul is making a summary statement when he says, therefore, based on what he's shown, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. So what is the condition for no longer being under condemnation? Walking not after the flesh but after the Spirit. What does it mean to walk after the flesh? Romans 7. So what happens if you're walking after, uh, what, what happens if you have the experience of Romans 7 where you're a carnal, sold under sin, still walking after the flesh? You're still under condemnation. But if you're walking after the Spirit, there's no condemnation. And in verse 2, it says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. What is the law of the Spirit of life? in Christ Jesus. <coughs> what we've seen, remember Romans 6 verse 4, it says that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. This is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Christ was raised from the dead. That's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And we can be raised 
to walk in newness of life. When we're raised up to walk in newness of life, meaning that the old man has been crucified with Christ, we now live according to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Just as Christ was raised from the dead and dies no more, when we are raised from the dead to walk in newness of life, sin has no more dominion over us, just as death has no more dominion over Christ. So when we follow the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, we are free from the law of sin and death. And what's the law of sin and death? Romans 6 also shows us that the wages of sin is death. The sin is, the, the law is there to, to point out sin and to, to condemn you. But if you accept Christ as your Savior and you're raised up to walk a new life in faith, your past record of sin no longer condemns you. And that's good news because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. However, the other good news is that we don't have to fall back into sin because the power of God unto salvation keeps us from falling. And Jesus came to save us from our sins, not in our sins. And I don't know about you, but there's nothing more frustrating than sinning. And God is so powerful, loving, and merciful that He has made a way of escape so that we don't have to live that kind of a life. And, you know, we talk about, we, we see clearly how God has changed people's lives. We've seen people who were alcoholics, drug addicts, you name it, and they give their lives to Christ, and God gives them victory over those sins. And you're telling me that God can't give us victory over every other sin in our lives? He certainly can, and Scripture teaches that. And so I'm thankful for God who gives us the power of the gospel that allows us to live according to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus rather than the law of sin and death. And Romans 8 verses 3 and 4 shows us how this power is possible to us. Verse 3, For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And if you really study the book of Romans, when you get to Romans 8, 3, and 4, this is the climax of Paul's exposition of righteousness by faith. Because he's shown in the first few chapters, all of sin and come short of the glory of God. The flesh is weak. Adam has affected all of us. We've all come short of the glory of God. But Abraham lived a life of faith. We can be dead to sin. We can be crucified with Christ. Yet there's that struggle where the old man still wants to be married to you and to drag you down even though when you, you know what's right. But then he gets to Romans 8 and he says, look, there is no excuse for falling into sin because God sent Jesus in the likeness of sinful flesh and He lived a life free from sin and because of that he condemned the power of sin in our sinful flesh showing that we can live a righteous life by faith so that not only are we covered with his righteousness but that his righteousness can be fulfilled in us 
Now notice, it's not a 95% righteousness of Christ that's fulfilled in us. It's Christ's righteousness 100%. And that's why Paul says at the beginning of Romans, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone believes. And he says the just shall live by faith. And we saw that Christ in the New Testament is described as just at least five times. And it's the same Greek word as the word for just when it says the just shall live by faith, which means that those who are just living by faith are living Christ's life here on this earth. Which is why Revelation 14, 12 speaks of the people who live by the faith of Jesus. And they are the ones who have Christ's righteousness fulfilled in them. The righteousness of the law, Christ's righteousness, fulfilled in us. Now did you know that the righteousness of Christ being fulfilled in us meets its final fulfillment in the second advent movement? Yes. You know, Revelation chapter 10 verse 7 says, But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. Do you know what the mystery of God is? Colossians 1.27 says, The mystery of God is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Revelation 10 speaks of the rise of the second advent movement. And when the Advent movement is raised up, Christ is going to have a people who have the experience of Christ in them or his righteousness in them fulfilled or finished. And Christ lived that life here on this earth so that his people at the end of the world, a whole group, sure there have been people down through the ages who have had this experience, but there's going to be a whole group of people who have the righteousness of Christ fulfilled in us. So when we read the book of Romans, the book of Romans is speaking to us especially today. God wants us to be the just who live by faith, the faith of Jesus. That's the group of people in Revelation 14. God wants us to be dead to sin, who live according to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, who have Christ's righteousness fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And I know for me personally, when I came to an understanding of what God's purpose is for us as his people in this time, it really changed my perspective about how I live my Christian life. Because so many times when we study the Bible, our bottom line question is, okay, what's the bare minimum? for what I have to do to be saved. That's human nature. What's the bare minimum that I have to do to get by to get into heaven? But yet if you study like the life of Abraham here in Romans or throughout scripture, and if you study the lives of God's people who had the experience of the righteousness of the law fulfilled in them, their primary question was not, okay, is this a salvational issue? Can I get away with this and still be saved? That's not how they lived. The way they lived is, will the way I live my life bring glory to God? And so the, the mentality is not, well, I, I don't think God would keep me out of heaven if I do this. Surely he wouldn't do that, would he? Instead, it's like, you know what? God gave up everything, sending Jesus to this earth. The least I can do is 
give my life as a living sacrifice to God so that everything I do will rightly re represent his name to the world. Which is why Paul says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Be not conformed to this world. And so many times we try to conform ourselves to the world and say, well, God will accept me if I'm 98% sacrificed and 2% is still conformed to the world. But Paul is saying a complete sacrifice. And so the last half of Romans is a practical application of the theology of the first eight chapters. Romans 12, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's justification by faith, complete transformation. So as we near the end of our study here, let me hit a couple of other high points from Romans 8. So we see that God's people will allow the righteousness of the law to be fulfilled in them as they walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. As you continue reading here in verse 5, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. What things do we mind? What things do we think about? What do we live for? Is it to take care of our personal needs or is it to advance God's kingdom? Verse 6, for to be carnally minded is death. Now remember Romans 7 when Paul says, I am carnal, sold under sin, for the good that I would, that do I not. Romans 8 verse 6 says, for to be carnally minded is death. So please don't tell me that Romans 7 is the experience of salvation on the way to heaven. Paul says, if you have that way of thinking, that is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Notice verse 7. Because the carnal mind, being sold under sin, doing the things you don't want to do and not doing the things you want to do, the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you, now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And notice verse 10, And if Christ be in you, this is the mystery of God. This is the righteousness of God's law in us. If Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit of, is life because of righteousness. And we've talked about this concept in verse 11. Notice what this says. But the, if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. So notice, Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. And if that's the same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in us, we shall live a new life because Christ lives in us. There's a lot of other things that Romans 8 speaks about. But let's finish off with the last few verses. We're going to start in verse 31. And now that we've studied the big picture of the first eight chapters, perhaps these last few verses may make a, a, a little more sense. Verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? How is God for us? He, he's for us because he justifies us. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Notice verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. So look, if you're dead to sin, 
what's the devil going to say in the judgment? You know, I know Norman McNulty. I remember when I made him do this, this, and this. And God will, God will say, you know what? My blood covers his sins, and he's been dead to sin. You can't lay anything to his charge. And that can be true for all of us. I pray that's true of what God can say of me. Verse 34, who is he that condemneth? Look, there's no more condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again. So remember, just as Christ died and was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, we should walk in newness of life. It is Christ that died, yea, that is rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Do you know what Christ is doing on the right hand of God? In a nutshell, Hebrews 8 verse 1 says he's our great high priest seated on the right hand of God. Hebrews, 8, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says he's the author and finisher of our faith seated on the right hand of God. Romans 8 says that he is the one who was raised again and is seated on the right hand of God. And you know, there's a day that he's coming when he's going to stand up. Daniel 12 verse 1 says, When he stands up, his work as our high priest and author and finisher of our faith will have been completed. And his work of intercession will have been completed because probation will have closed. We can talk about that some other time. Verse 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Do you know what the love of Christ is? that God sent his son to die for us, raised him up from the dead. He's now in heaven interceding for us, and he is offering us justification by faith and his righteousness. Who can separate us from the love of God? If we walk not after the flesh but after the spirit, who can separate us from that? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. Look, if you have been raised up to walk in newness of life, if you are dead to sin, the devil can do whatever he wants. And if we are connected to the love of Christ, nothing can separate us. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I am truly convinced that if we really understand the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord, seeing what he has done, sacrificing himself, dying for us so that we can have a new life. We will give our lives completely to him. We will allow his righteousness to come into our lives and nothing will be able to separate us from God's love. Nothing in this world will make us want to lose that connection that we have with God. And Romans 7 talks about how we should be married to him who was raised from the dead. When you're married to Christ, you won't ever want to go back to that old man. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. And the message of Romans to us today is God is looking for a people who will be crucified with Christ. 
so that the old man of sin will be destroyed, so that we can be married to Christ who was raised from the dead, so that we can live a new life of faith and have a loving walk with God each day, so that our lives will be a demonstration of his righteousness to the world. And God is waiting to pour out latter rain power on his people who have this experience. And when we receive the power of the Holy Spirit through the latter rain, this gospel of the kingdom will go as a witness like wildfire throughout the world. And we will see Jesus come very soon. And I believe that we are living in the time when we could see that happen very shortly. And we need to be praying each and every day for that experience so that we will be alive to see Jesus come in the clouds. You know, as nice as it is being a missionary here in Trinidad, and I really love it, I'm glad to be here, as, and as many nice things as you can have in this world, in reality, I'm tired of this old world of sin. Why would we want to prolong this old world? We want to see Jesus come in our lifetime. We want to see our dearest and best friend come to save us from this world of sin. So may we be faithful to that.